fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Monday, greatest day of the entire week, man, and we are officially two weeks away from Christmas. Can you believe it how quick this stuff is going, man? We have so much to cram into for the next couple of weeks before you, like, tune out until 2024. We have a lot of issues. We have a lot of stuff going on in Washington, D.C. We have a lot of uh, topical discussions to have, and we'll try and do the best that we can to fill you in before the end of the year. Welcome into the show. Lots to get to today, especially. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas. On our flagship radio station, we are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. It is always so wonderful to have you with us, your Millennial General, reporting for duty like we do every single day. What a weekend it was, too. Hopefully you had a great weekend. I officially finally got my Christmas lights up outside. I did that yesterday. After Saturday, having my local program here in the Wichita area, my syndicated show on Saturday afternoon, I finally was able to get up on the roof and do my Christmas lightings display yesterday, and it was exhausting, man. I haven't been up there in a while. It was a lot of fun, though. It was finally like mid-40s, kind of nice, got up there and got it all done. We have, in our little community, we have a Christmas lighting contest where the judges are actually judging tonight, and I don't know that we're going to win because there's some really cool displays, but we have some cool stuff in our house. So we have to fine-tune that. i got to get home after the show today and uh, replace a couple light bulbs that went out. You know, do the fine-tune tweaking that needs to be done before the judges show up tonight. And I was, <laughs> I told Mrs. Voice of Reason, I almost wonder, I, I don't know, during the Halloween if you saw, there was a TV show on one of the apps, don't remember which one it was, where they would do tours of, like, uh, haunted houses and Halloween displays during Halloween time. And they, during the judging, they would actually have actors out in their yards, you know, the zombies walking around or people trying to scare you or something, actually in their yard during the Halloween display. So I told her that I think today we should do that for Christmas. And we should probably, like, dress up as elves. And since there's no snow on the ground, we could, like, throw mud balls at each other and pretend that, you know, we're just having a grand old time out in the front yard with all the Christmas lights behind us and in the live reenactors of the Christmas display in our front yard. So I'm going with that. I'm sticking to it, and I think that would be a blast. What do you think? Would that would that work? All right. Yeah. Nonetheless, it was a busy weekend. A little plug here as well, just on the side. Mrs. Voice of Reason, she has been working really hard. And I, I as you know, with the Hoosier Media Network and some of the stuff that we're doing, we are about ready to launch some really cool stuff like Bigly, if you know what I mean. I and mean, I think we're going to make it bigly. Yeah, so Mrs. Voice of Reason obviously has her Hoosier Health. And for those that don't know, we haven't talked much about it on this program, but Hoosier Health is the alternative medicines, alternative teas and herbs and plants and ways to try and substitute away from pharmaceutical pills and do things on a healing front on a natural path. And she started it really a few years ago really since the COVID-19 pandemic is when it really started taking off, coincidentally. And she's been working really hard. She's starting, she's been working nonstop this last week because this coming up weekend is her very first fair uh, and festival to be able to have a table and sell some of the products that she's been making. We don't have the ability to sell it online yet. We're still working on some of 
uh, some of the uh, licensing and some of that stuff to where, what we need. But more information will be coming. I'll let you know when that happens here on the program uh, because there's already been a lot of interest in the stuff that she does. Now, it's high dollar. It's high end. But there's a reason for that is because every bit of it is high end, natural, holistic plants and herbs. It's not the cheap stuff. It's not pharmaceutical garbage. It's not just the whatever. It is real herbs that either we grew in our backyard or we have a supplier that has been like dedicated spot on with all their natural stuff and organic stuff. So it's really neat. And it's a little on the higher end pricey wise, but it, it substitutes everything. It's amazing whether it's like facial creams or toothpaste or whatever, it's really cool stuff. So I'll have more information on that, not to really plug that, but uh, she's been hard at work at it because I was decorating the Christmas lights while she was working on brewing up her stuff and uh, trying to bottle it. We got our labeling done. We're actually doing labeling all on our own. <laughs> yeah, it was a busy weekend, and uh, so it's been a lot of fun. So more information on that, but, uh, man, what a good time as we're fighting big pharma, fighting the big industries, which is a lot of fun. It, it's, it's a crazy time to be alive, right? Because there are more people waking up trying to realize that there are different options out there. There are different options that you have other than what your doctors tell you, other than what your politicians tell you, other than what Washington, D.C. tells you. You have options. You have the right to content. You have the right to freedom of speech. You have the right to understand what's going on in the world and not do it through this filtered lens of either Washington, D.C. or the mainstream media. I know it's a wild concept. It's not something that we hear about usually. Most people in society, unfortunately, turn on the TV, turn on the mainstream, turn on one of the Alphabet Soup uh, uh, media sites and say, all right, hey, they're the ones giving me the news for the day. This is what I need to know. And you have your left wing, which is like 90% of it. You have a little bit of the right wing stuff like Fox News that's kind of like moderate-ish okay. And then they they give you the news of the day. But there's so much more out there, which is why podcast programs are blowing up. Which, by the way, did you hear that Joe Rogan, for the second or third year in a row, is the top to podcast in the entire world? Not just the country, but the world. He's the number one podcast, again, dominating. And it's a great program. Freedom of speech. And he would not allow them to censor what his content is. Right now, we're seeing X, the, or formerly known as Twitter, however long you have to continue to say that. We have social media platforms that are trying to censor, while X and Elon Musk are trying to open speech back up again and allowing freedom of content and all the hate and all the hate from both the businesses and corporations that try to advertise and from the mainstream media and even from Democrat politicians are like, we need to censor. We need to stop X because how dare that they allow this type of content because we wouldn't allow that type of freedom of speech. We wouldn't allow this content. We need to censor it for the good of humanity. And that's where we start here on the program today. What's trending today? I don't know if you've seen or not, but X has now allowed certain individuals back onto the Tweety site, including Donald Trump, although he has said he's not going to go back on Twitter, but he does appreciate the sentiment. And now, just over the weekend, has now allowed Alex Jones with InfoWars back onto the Tweety as well. Uh, I know, I know. And that's caused a lot of controversy as they talk about needing pure freedom of speech. No matter what you say, as long as you're not verbally uh, uh, advocating for the violence of somebody or a group of individuals, if you're advocating for violence, then yeah, you probably don't need to be on some type of social media platform to allow your voice to be heard. And there are still a few that are banned from Twitter. We'll talk about those in just a minute. But outside of that, even if it is radical, if it is conspiracy, if it is obscure, if it is completely uh, inaccurate and unfactual, you should have the right to say what you want to, especially on the interweb. 
We always laughed and we always loved the fact that when the internet came out, remember, and Al Gore created the internet, so we do have to give <laughs> give him credit for that, right? So that's yeah. All right. Well, at least we tried. We tried. We tried to give him the credit. I don't know why anybody doesn't believe me in the fact that Al Gore tried to create the internet. Nonetheless. When the internet first started, remember that you could find the most obscure interests out there. You could find people that were Star Wars fans that wanted to dress up like a Wookiee and eat pizza on Friday night at midnight. And you could find the 20 other people in the world that had the exact same interest as you. Why? Because the internet was supposed to bring people together. Now, if you try to search for somebody or some type of topic, it's filtered through the corporation or through some type of company or through some type of search engine that wants to filter it and give you some uh, fed information that is only one-sided. And it's very difficult to find true freedom of speech. When that's what the internet was, that was the entire purpose of it, the new frontier where anything goes. And as long as you weren't advocating for hate, which really boggles my mind when terrorist organizations are still allowed to have social media sites, as long as you're not advocating for violence and, and hate in that front, and hate, again, is an open term, you can attack a group. Does it make you smart? No. Should you be doing it? No. Would you say that in front of their face? Probably not. But you still have the right to say something like that. As long as you're not advocating for the open physical violence of somebody, then you should be okay to have your voice heard. And God bless Elon Musk, whether you like Elon Musk or not, God bless him for the fact that he is a staunch freedom of speech individual to try and bring as many platforms out there as possible, to bring as many people out there as possible to have their voice. And then you, as the consumer, you get to choose whether you support it or not, whether you consume that information or not, or whether you ignore that information or not. And it just drives the other side absolutely crazy because they can't control the narrative and they have to listen to somebody else when they don't want them. Because remember, for us on the conservative side, we we have that brain. We have that flip in our brain, that switch that we can turn on and off where we can listen to somebody like, you know what, I'm not going to consume that. I don't need to spend that time in my day and waste that time. I'm going to go and focus on something else. I don't care what you do. You may be an idiot. You may completely disagree with me. You may completely have some obscure point. You may think the Holocaust never happened. Cool. I don't care. God bless you. We're going to move you to the side and just move on. The other side, <gasps> gasp, how could you do something like that? We need to silence you. And in a time when we have an information overload, it's our duty as a consumer, I've said this many times before, as the, as the citizen, as the people, as the consumer in the market, is to regurgitate all this and try and process it, filter it, and figure out what's going to work for us and what's not going to work for us, whether it's actually beneficial, whether it's not beneficial, whether it's actually factual, or whether it's not factual. Because now we live in a world where there is a lot of misinformation out there. You are fake news. And we have to screen through a lot of misinformation. And it's only going to get worse with artificial intelligence. So that's where the wisdom and understanding comes into play to recognize what's fake and what's not fake. As you know, the Biden administration for their campaign, which <laughs> sounds like it's a little bit rocky right now, but the campaign already says they have legal teams in place to challenge fake news that will be regurgitated from artificial intelligence based on scandals within the family, uh, within the Biden family, uh, the investigations on Hunter Biden, investigation on Joe Biden, the potential impeachment of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden based on the quote unquote fake news that's out there. They had their team in place ready to go for this information. So that way, anytime anything negative comes out during the campaign, they can say, nope, nope, it's fake news. That's not, what are you talking about? It's, it's not real. It's fake news. Winning. And that's what they're going to try and promote. In this world, I'm glad that we have someone like Elon Musk 
someone like Joe Rogan, conservative talk radio, podcast programs out there that are giving this information. You just have to go and find the right ones that are actually giving that proper information. Now, that being said, there are still some that are banned on the Tweety. According to uh, Yahoo Finance, they say there's really one, two, three, four, five-ish that are still banned off of social media of the Twitter or X, including David Duke, the white supremacist, uh, part of the Ku Klux Klan, suspended on X. Elon Musk has not allowed him back on. That would be a good thing. Why? Because they are a hate group that openly advocates for the violence of other individuals. Why? Because they're progressive. I know (laughs) that's triggering. I know. I know that's triggering. The Democrats are like, wait, hold on here. Wait, that's not progressive. He's a Republican. He endorsed Trump. No, no, they're progressive. The Ku Klux Klan, obviously, is a branch of the Democrat Party. They always have been and they always will be as long as the Democrat Party focuses on identity politics. Number two, InfoWars. While Alex Jones may be back on, the InfoWars network has yet to be back on, although I think that will change relatively soon, in my humble opinion. Nick Fuentes, another white supremacist individual. Yeah, he probably needs to stay off as well. He's tried his hand in media. He's tried his hand in radio. Doesn't work out because he literally advocates for the rounding up and burning of individuals because of his personal opinion. So, yeah, kind of glad he's not on there. Also, Raul Castro, the leader of Cuba's Communist Party, permanently suspended in 2019 and still remains inactive. He is 92, so I don't even know if he can handle something like Twitter or X. But nonetheless, yeah, that probably needs to stay off there. People who have murdered individuals probably need staff, which begs the question, again, why are terrorist organizations still allowed to be on social media? And why can't we use that to go and find them, get them, and eliminate them? This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Free speech in 2023, 2024. I'm still waiting for the MMA fight between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. I'm waiting for it. It hasn't happened yet. I have been let down again. First, Conor McGregor doesn't come back to fight anytime soon. Now Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg don't fight. What the heck, man? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the good fights to happen. But freedom of speech is going to be the focal point to Elon fighting for that. And good, whether you like him or dislike him, I love it. And I have, I still have my X account, which you can find at Who's Your Reason on the Tweety. Because I want to support and I want to be able to see some of the content on there. And while they try to call him anti-Semitic, that's the side that's saying from the river to the sea and the abolishment of Israel. So you can't. <laughs> I, I'm sensing a little bit of hypocrisy on that front. Does that work? Does that? Don't yeah. act like you're not impressed. I know it takes a, a really smart genius or a really smart idiot to try and twist that up and say that uh, I'm going to be from the river to the sea, dismantle Israel. But yet, how dare you actually allow? quote-unquote, anti-Semitism on the Tweety when it's not really happening. But freedom of speech allows freedom of thought because freedom of speech allows you to get all the information for you to piece together the reality around you and understand what's really going on and allow to hear difference of, of opinion. So freedom of speech equals freedom of thought. Freedom of thought allows the freedom of free will for you to act upon the information that you have gathered on whether it's accurate or not. And be able to live your life based on the information that you have at your hands with all of the information out there, meaning that you can't just take that and go along with it and be the sheep, but you have to be the cognitively smart individual to look at it, process it, filter it, and then be able to apply it properly 
in your life. I know that's asking a lot in society today. These are the people that sometimes make a decision on the presidential race or any type of elected seat based on name recognition or a 15-second TV ad. So I, I know this is very difficult for some, but the freedom of speech allows freedom of thought. Freedom of thought allows freedom and free will for you to live your life. Although, according to, this is super interesting, and I'm not going to go too deep in because it makes my brain hurt thinking about it too, but as you know, we like to unveil the layers of the onion just a little bit more on the show. Robert Sapolsky is a neurobiologist at Stanford University for the past 40 years and has just written a book saying that humans actually don't have free will. What? What? According to him, which, by the way, he's won the MacArthur Genius Grant winner multiple times, uh, saying that in his studies as a neurobiologist that he tracks and he has studied the uh, apparently the the chemicals in your brain, the nerves in your brain, and that them making the millisecond decisions makes you who you are. Now, they try to, of course, the progressives are using this study to say, well, criminals there, it's not their fault then because they're not the ones making the decision because they don't have any free will to make that choice because the choice has already been made for them based on the chemical reactions in their brain and what they're doing. So they're trying to, of course, twist this to say that it's nobody's fault on how you act or react because it's already made up in your brain. What it does, however, prove is for those a little bit deeper and a little bit more on the spiritual or religious end, that if the decision's already been made and because it's how your brain is actually responding to certain, uh, from he talks about frequencies and waves in your brain that trigger certain chemicals in your brain, that that really goes into a spiritual conversation of do you have free will because God or somebody else is actually making the decision for you. So the things that you do in your life, and your free will isn't actually free will, but it's the matrix of this world or it's God or it's a higher power that's making the decisions for you to have the reaction and have the decision making that you have, which breaks my brain even more so. So that really kind of challenges my whole idea of freedom of speech equals freedom of thought, which equals freedom of action and free will, because do we have free will if we have free thought, if our thoughts are actually being controlled elsewhere because of the freedom of speech that we supposedly have but maybe we are being guided and directed to say such things i'm so confused my brain hurts we're gonna let that one drop for just now and we're gonna shift gears when we come back david barker he'll be joining us former economist with the federal reserve bank we'll talk about some of that and more coming up right around the corner stay here on a monday for the voice of reason this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. All right, show of hands. How many? <laughs> I, I'm getting messages on social media. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How many people broke their brains in that last segment? I know we usually don't. we like going deep on the program. We like unveiling the layers of the onion a little bit deeper than most other talk shows, but that one broke my brain too. So this is the garbage that goes through my head all the time, man. Makes me hurt a little bit, so hopefully you enjoyed that. But, uh, yeah, breaking your brain. Do you really have free will? According to the latest neuroscientists, no, you don't have free will because the decisions are already being made in your brain before they actually relay it to you to make that conscious decision. So I, I don't know if that's a, a conversation that we really want to go down again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we went that deep, man. Let's shift gears here just a little bit. 
What's trending today? What's trending today? So it's still ongoing until tomorrow, but the UN Climate Conference is still ongoing right now. The COP28 is what they're calling this, talking about different initiatives, what they want to do, trying to make the environment green by the year of 2030, as John Kerry, the man himself, is over there right now. Why he's still relevant in politics, not quite sure. But he's over there trying to say that we need to get rid of all coal plants across the nation and around the world. And we need to go completely green and electric by 2030 is the goal. And apparently, according to the headlines that I've seen today, is that many oil and natural gas companies have agreed to try and start cutting some of their methane production as they continue to operate and do their thing. Now, obviously, as you know, if they have to get rid of methane, however they're producing methane, in the world based on their uses they the oil and natural gas technology is going to have to change to try and be more environmentally sound to get rid of the methane which means investing more money in the technology which means more prices for you for the energies like i don't know gas and that means more regulation from the government telling them how they can operate and holding them to certain said standards what's that mean for the future not only for the price of gas and how the green energy movement is going to be affecting that, but also the economy and job growth and so much more with this ongoing COP28 conference that goes on until tomorrow. To talk about some of this and so much more, really happy to have on the program. He's a former economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York and a partner with Barker Companies. It's David Barker. How are you, my friend? Well, just fine. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. A lot of stuff to cover right now with this COP28 conference because apparently while all the elites are flying their private jets over there, they're telling us how we can't drive 20 minutes down the road with our gas-guzzling car and how oil companies can't drill for oil and natural gas anymore because we're all going to die, right? That's what they say. That's right. Yeah. It's unfortunate. What what do you think is going to come out of this? Because I know that 120 countries or whatever have signed on to some of these initiatives is this going to be the change of how we start operating our energy industry here moving forward? Well, it's a way of changing our energy system and the energy system of some other developed countries, but it won't have much of an effect on developing countries who will continue to uh, uh, burn oil and coal and whatever else they can uh, to, uh, to, to get wealthy like we did. And so in the end, uh, it won't have any uh, significant effect on emissions. It will only have an effect of impoverishing countries like ours. Of course. That's what they always love. Because we're the evil ones, right? We consume more, so therefore we need to be knocked down a few pegs, right? Right, right. But, <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. But the real problem is that uh, th- there's no there's no good evidence that climate change is going to cause economic problems. Uh, you know, I had a look at the uh, economic research that was done on that, and uh, it's such poor quality research. Uh, it doesn't really uh, uh, kind of pass the test. Mm. Talk about that. What they've tried to tell us is that essentially the global warming, the heating of the earth is going to harm our economy. And we've heard progressives say this for a long time, that uh, it's getting warmer in inner cities. Therefore, that's why there's joblessness going on. That's why there's high crime rates right now. It's the global warming that's caused by the fumes of the vehicles and the manufacturing plants putting CO2 out into the atmosphere. That's raising the temperatures and therefore that's why people are acting out. So it's our fault. Is that really true? Well, they claim just about anything for uh, as a that is caused by uh, warming temperatures. But what I looked at was the claim that it would affect the rate of economic growth. The best economic models out there show that 
warming would have only a modest effect on the economy, something like, you know, two or three percent by the year 2100. Uh, and with normal economic growth of, say, two percent a year, that means very little effect. It means that in 2100, we would be 4.9 times richer than we are now instead of five times richer. So a lot of people didn't like that result. So they're trying to show that warming would slow the rate of growth of the economy. And uh, so they gathered data and published papers on this. And I dug deep into the code and the statistics that they used to show that and found all kinds of uh, terrible assumptions, uh, uh, terrible uh, uh, data work. How does let's let's talk about what you studied here because that's a fascinating uh, comparison between the warming of the climate and the growth of the economy or lack thereof. What type of factors are involved there that would even for that marginal amount affect the economy? Well, the claim is that it's harder to work when it's hot, but what uh, uh, you know, economists have. Uh, in the models that I was talking about earlier, realizes that most work is done indoors and so really isn't affected by temperature. And the work that is done outdoors, they looked at, and it's really a you know fairly small effect. Uh, but, uh, you know, people uh, without much theory uh, just threw a lot of data at the problem, gathered data on annual temperatures of countries around the world and rates of economic growth and looked for correlations. Well, the problem is they did things like weight every country equally, meaning that China is weighted the same as you know, tiny countries in the Caribbean and countries that have unusual economic circumstances, like, say, Rwanda in 1994, when they had the genocide and economic collapse, have a big effect on the results. It's a way of tricking the model into showing uh, the results that people want to show. Sure. So what country right now has the most amount, of, from what you've been able to see, the most amount of people that would be affected in their economy that uh, maybe work outside more than somebody else? Well, the claim is that the effect would be largest in poor countries and warm countries. But when you look at the data uh, carefully, it really doesn't seem to show that. Uh, you know, the evidence that we have over the last 50 years or so on temperatures show that, you know, when it's uh, warmer than usual, uh, there's not really much of a correlation uh, between that and the rate of economic growth. Sure. That's interesting. The first uh, topic that comes to mind when I think about the correlation with working outside when it gets warmer and warmer is the agriculture industry. I live in Kansas. I live right in the heartland of, you know, wheat country and corn country right uh, right here where we're based out of for our flagship radio station. And what we've seen historically is if there is, let's take, for example, the science of climate change, and if there is more CO2 in the environment and it is warmer in the environment, then crops grow better because they have more CO2 and they have more sunlight for them to flourish, like we saw in the prehistoric times with the Jurassic Park stuff going on. So if agriculture does well, for an example, that would almost drive us to be working outside more because we need more workers to work the farms, don't we? Sure. And agriculture is really the largest industry, the largest outdoor industry. Uh, and uh, if that's not significantly affected, it's hard to imagine why, you know, somewhat warmer temperatures would have a large economic impact. Yeah. Uh, depending on where we're at in the globe, too, I mean, obviously you mentioned some of the warmer third world countries, not to pick on anybody, but looking at, say, African countries, the vast majority of people already work outside. It's already extremely warm out there. So are we talking about those areas? Are we talking about other parts of the world uh, when you look at some of the impacts here? You know, those are the areas that really drive those statistical models. 
And, uh, but those areas have, uh, you know, very large fluctuations in economic growth that are due to a variety of factors, you know, wars and, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, coups and other kinds of, uh, political problems. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's really hard to, uh, pin that on temperatures. Sure. We're talking with David Barker. He's a former economist with the Federal Reserve Bank. You can find his piece, by the way, with the Wall Street Journal on this climate change and poor South Korea as we talk about uh, just the study of the suppressing of economic growth based on heat. Uh, and I'm sure, as you you already kind of preluded to this, it's kind of not really comparable around the world compared to 100-degree temperatures in Africa as it gets warmer, making it more suffering to go outside and work outside. And let's say Russia, that's usually covered in snow and things get a little bit warmer, make it more appealing to go and work outside sure. and not be covered up. So did they factor those in here as well? Well, as a matter of fact, those same models that show uh, that that claim to show problems in warmer countries show that in cooler countries, warming would be beneficial, and uh, they try to balance those uh, those off uh, and and claim that the effect is larger in those poor countries. But again, when you look at the data carefully, there's really not much of an effect anywhere. Yeah, uh, who's putting more stuff out into the atmosphere? Is it the United States or is it someone like China in India, where they're kind of first world country? India is not a first world but i mean they 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 produce a lot they consume a lot like we do but they don't have the technology so who's actually putting more out there and affecting one way or the other when it comes to uh, the climate oh, issues well and you know our emissions have been steady to declining uh, where theirs have been increasing dramatically. Uh, so over the next several decades, yes, the, the emissions from those countries are going to be you know uh, much larger than ours. So why do we get all the flag for it? Why do they always blame us and say that we're the ones that need to go carbon neutral by 2030? Well, what is it that someone said about uh, why they rob banks? Because that's where the money is. Uh, I think that's the answer, right? That uh, they go after us because, <laughs> because uh, we've got the money. Yeah, that is very true. I mean, we're funding the vast majority of the United Nations. We're funding and, and controlling the majority of the climate conferences like we're seeing with the COP28, and uh, we get blamed for this. But yet, like you said, China and India, they're littering the oceans vastly more than we are the United States. We may consume more, but we are more efficient with all of our technology because of what we do, and yet uh, they want to come after us. Last question here. Uh, I guess we're out of time, David. we got just about 30 seconds left here. If people want to read your article, how can they do so, my friend? So I've published it in Econ Journal Watch. That's uh, actually an academic journal that criticizes articles in other journals. And uh, there's plenty, <laughs> there are plenty of uh, targets out there these days. Yeah, there's a lot of them. David, fascinating topic. I really want to break some more of this down. Uh, actually, I tell you what, can you stick over one more segment with us? Sure. That, perfect. I want to continue this conversation because this is really fascinating to me. I have never really thought about the comparison between the two. So we'll do some more of this when we come back here. It is David Barker, former economist with the Federal Reserve Bank. Lots more coming up on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason 
with Andy Hoosier. i got to admit, this is probably one of my most favorite shows that we've done in a very long time. I love the depth that we've had on this program today. A little bit different topic, a little bit different way to look at things, and it's been a blast to do so. Hopefully you've enjoyed this one as well. we got a few minutes left here of the show. I had to keep them on because this was such a fascinating conversation. We're hanging out with David Barker, former economist at the Federal Reserve Bank, also with a partner at Barker Companies. And David, I know you guys do a lot with real estate. Let's tie that in here for a second as well because... Apparently, we have to get rid of our natural gas stoves and put in all electric stoves and do all that. This overhaul of the real estate industry as well with this green new movement. Is that the ultimate goal here with this push to talk about how bad the temperatures are rising and how we're all going to die from it and how it's going to kill off the, the economy? Is that what their ultimate goal is here is complete control? Well, I think there are two goals. Uh, one is to sell things, right? I mean, it's expensive to make those kinds of conversions, and there are always people making money on that. Uh, but I think the larger goal, and unfortunately I think it's there's some truth to it, is that there are people who just want more government control in general, and they see this as a, uh, as a way to do it, as an excuse uh, for that kind of control. Yeah, government's going to be there to save the day and take control, and they're going to help us move into the next generation. It's a, uh, it's very strange. I love the fact we we opened the show talking about uh, freedom of speech with you know different uh, different Twitter accounts getting back online from Elon Musk and and being an absolutionist in freedom of speech, and that's what you're doing with these articles countering this narrative, which is so vital and important in your research. Did you do any historical looks back in time on when there was a fluctuation in climate changes and temperature uh, with the climate and productivity from the people? And is there a trend on that front as well that you've seen? Well, I looked at the temperature data that we have going back uh, uh, more than 50 years and uh, examined how other researchers had tried to use that data to prove an effect and found all kinds of problems with their research. Uh, you know, just bad statistical assumptions, bad analysis, and uh, really no, uh, uh, no evidence of a significant effect of temperature on growth. Interesting. Well, it would help if they were consistent with their arguments, too, right? I mean, in the 80s, we had global cooling, and then we had acid rain that was going to kill us, and then we had global warming. And now, David, it's just climate change, because we don't know what it's doing, but whatever it's doing, it's bad for us, right? <laughs> Right. Well, anything that gets people afraid of things uh, opens up the door for more government control and uh, selling more things. Yeah, that is true. Is it realistic? If Let's say we go down this road of we go completely electric vehicle and we get rid of gas guzzling cars. We, we change every house and every business, every apartment, every restaurant to electric stoves. And, and we go down this road of complete electricity. How we're going to produce the electricity, I'm not quite sure. But what would the economy look like on that front, not just for... Uh, the everyday worker, but for those of, let's say, in the auto industry that build cars and build alternators that we no longer need, I mean, there would be a drastic change economically that I think would have an impact on how productive and how much of an economic growth that we see in the country, don't we? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're being set up to depend on China for all of that. They're gearing up their uh, electric uh, car production, uh, their control of minerals that are necessary for that production, and uh, really uh, could put us in a, uh, in a dangerous position if we don't have a diversity of energy sources and of, uh, you know, yeah, appliances and cars that can use a diversity of uh, energy sources. Yeah, how many regulations like they're putting on the U.S. here? I know that we've already, you know, laughed that they make us the focal point here, but are they putting the same type of regulation on China? No, no. Uh, you know, China will develop in the way it wants to. 
and uh, we'll take advantage of what we do here to cripple ourselves. So we're essentially tying our own hands while they have free reign to do whatever they want. Right, right. Man. That seems to be the plan. That seems to be the plan. Uh, yeah, and yet we're funding it, too. We're paying for our own restraining. So apparently we like to be dominated, right? <laughs> right. That's the way it looks. That's the way it seems like it, yeah. Uh, last question for you. we got about a minute here, but uh, la- your thoughts as we wrap up the COP28 and their uh, conference, what do you think we're going to get out of this, and will they put some type of initiative down for all the countries to start following? Oh, I think that they will uh, uh, put out some, you know, toothless regulations. But unfortunately, a lot of Western com- countries will, uh, you know, will try and uh, try and follow them, and uh, you know, other countries will ignore them. Very strange. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses here by showing off to ourselves, and no one else is going along with it. They're just kind of looking at us and looking at us very strangely. You guys are actually doing that garbage. What the hell's wrong with you? very strange. David Parker, former economist with the Federal Reserve Bank. You can go check out his piece, Climate Change and Poor South Korea. The study claims heat suppresses economic growth. It falls apart under scrutiny. David, keep up the fight, my friend. Fascinating conversation. we got to get you back on again soon. All right. Thank you. Hey, love it. Good stuff. Great conversation. Man, I wish we had more time to break it down, but we'll just have to do it again tomorrow. Until then... Take this knowledge, wrap it up, process it, and use that knowledge and wisdom to be able to apply it in your local life. Be that catalyst in your own community. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Have a great day. We'll see you on the radio.